Peace and prosperity is my first salute to you. I'm Merton Clark, and welcome to the Word of Truth Revealed podcast. It is my desire to build you up, to increase your spiritual stamina and tenacity, to empower effectiveness and help you discover your purpose. Enjoy this vibrant and dynamic message. But I'm going to minister on oneness uh, in diversity at 11 o'clock, but I need to talk about unity that inspires. Many of us need uh, to be encouraged and encouragement inspires us or entertainment inspires us, but God wants us to be inspired on the knowledge and based on the principles called unity. A house divided against itself will not stand. A church divided will not stand. A family that doesn't have proper order and structure will not stand. A community that does not, a denomination that does not have unity cannot stand. And here Paul uh, says some things here. He opens up Ephesians chapter 4 with, uh, in, in verse 1, as a prisoner for the Lord, which means he's writing this book out of a prison cell. And I think that's important for you and I to know that though we may be hindered in one area or another, it does not mean that the scriptures or the word of God in us or our purpose has to be locked down like we are locked down. Actually, the scriptures and the word and our spiritual potential is not limited by physical limitations. He says, even though I'm locked down, I urge you, even though I have setbacks, I'm encouraging you. And one of the things the Lord just really shared with me today, uh, I, t I tweeted it. If you're following me on Twitter, you need to uh, check that out. And you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, I think you'll get some inspiration. You can also connect with our daily devotion. All you have to do is seek for that, and you'll get an email. And I'm pouring out stuff Monday through Friday, and you'll be able to pick that up and stay encouraged. But I tweeted the other day, I shared something, and it goes something like this, that uh, have you ever wondered when you see a person smile, what's behind that smile? You ever looked at a person, an acquaintance, when you first meet them, you wonder what's on the other side of that? Are they friend or foe? Is it really genuine? Or do they have this professional grin that they do to everybody? That professional grin for everybody. And they veil their hearts. And then I went on to say that trials and setbacks and traumas and issues in our lives really reintroduce yourself to yourself. Your circumstance really introduces yourself or reintroduces yourself to the person who's standing in the mirror. When you go through stuff, it testifies of your belief system, who you are, what you believe, and what you do in life. What's important to you in life? And so, so you want to make sure that when you go through a trial now, it's not just about enduring because it's going to tell you who you are. And some of us are really shocked when we find out who we really are. We all say we know who God is, but who are you? <laughs> who are you? I'm, I'm trying to be a child of God. I'm trying to be authentic. I'm trying to be uh, classic. It's <laughs> my new word. I want to be classic. Amen. Not just a regular old guy, a knuckle dragger in the streets. I want to be classic. I believe God wants me to be classic. I believe he wants our ministry 
to feel so classic. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. This is the man who's in prison and he's telling us to be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Now it seems like to me he's not in the right frame of mind or in the right place to give us that kind of exhortation. Which simply means, again, you don't have to be free to give exhortation. You don't have to have everything in line before you can do what God has called you to do. You can do it in the circumstance in which you are right now. Make every, ever, every effort to keep the unity, to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Let peace guard you. Let peace connect you. Let peace. Be the glue that holds the unity together. Then he goes on to talk about one body, one spirit. A lot of times we divide because we're not one body. You know, I'm a part of this. Some are, are, are a part of Apollos or some with Peter or Cephas or some with Paul or some with Truth Revealed and some with other denominations. But we are one body. We are one. We have one spirit. And that same spirit should look. That spirit is trying to get us to mature and to grow and to connect and to do things together. Not only with our congregations, but with many congregations that are moving in the same direction. Just as you were called, the scripture says, to one hope. If we're called to one hope, we should be called to one body. If we're called to one hope, we should be called to one spirit. If we're called to one hope, we should be called to the unity of the spirit. And we do this through the bond of peace. If we're called to one hope and to one Lord and to one faith and to one baptism and to one God and one father of all who is over all and through all and in all and if he's over all he's through all he's in all then all of us should be working together there should be no schisms yet we know there are schisms so my message today is to help us to drive out the schism and to really maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace i got something to give god thanks for number one he's been good to me I give him praise because he watched over me. I love him because he loved me. I love him because he saved me, gave me eternal life. I love him because he gave me a family, gave me a wife and children. I love him because he blessed me. I love him because he redeemed me. He saved me from my sins, gave me eternal life, but he also gave me a ministry. I love him for that. I love him because he's always demonstrated his love toward me. I love him because he didn't let my enemies triumph over me. Even though my feet were trapped, he still pulled me out. Glory to God. I love him because of the privilege of privacy. There are some things people don't know about me and he covered me. His grace is sufficient for me. His mercy endures forever. It's true to all generations. I love him like that. I love him because he gave me a ministry and the people that he gave me are strong. I thank him because they are strong. They stand with it. No matter how the wind blows, they continue to flow. I love him because he's always investing in the people that are connected with me. And I thank him. I can see him working in the homes and in the families. And he gave them the privilege of privacy too. They did it, done it, and got the t-shirt. He's still blessing them. I love him because when they ask him for forgiveness, they, he pours it out. Glory to God. He keeps e e 
echoing his covenant to his people. I love him like that. I love him because he gave me a car. He gave me a home. I love him because he helps me to ride right. I help him because he lets me to ride out. I ride out real good. I love him because he's always doing that, always smoothing out my rough edges. He's always working in me to will and to do of his good pleasure. And if he did all of that, why can't I walk in unity? If he did all of that for you and me, why can't we walk in unity? Why can't we do what he's called us to do? Why can't we love each other? Why can't we contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints? Why can't we be one body and one spirit? Why can't we follow one Lord, one faith, one baptism? If he did all of that, if he loved you like that, can't you love him that much? If he tells you to stay, you tell him I will because I love you that much. If you tell me to quit, then I'm going to do that too because I love you that much. Come on, Mary, Mary. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. Make every effort. Make every effort, scripture says. Make every effort. All that is within you. Why would he say that? Make every effort. Well, he's in a prison. He could easily let division stop him from releasing his word. He says, even though I'm in prison, you need to make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. Why is unity so important? Why would unity be so important to the apostle Paul while locked up in a prison? If you're taking notes, write it down. Unity is needed. Unity with me is needed. Needed. My unity with you is needed. Why is it needed? Unity is needed for survival. If we're going to survive this storm, we must unite. For instance, if the CDC says if you wear a mask, we can save 50,000 lives. Why wouldn't we wear mask now just notice it says if we wear masks we if we unite and wear masks we can save 50,000 lives and we can take corona it's rising but we can take it and cause it to plummet in about three weeks that's an incentive life is the incentive now there's a whole lot of people that like the march when it comes to the unborn babies. We got to save the unborn, but once the baby gets here, I don't care. I don't care about them. They need to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps, yet everybody's in a line. Everybody wants the government to send them a check, a little welfare, a little welfare, a little welfare right now. Because when you start getting hungry and you don't know where the money's going to come in and you don't know how things are going to work out, you're reaching for another source. We need to understand that unity is needed for survival. If we would just come together, we can actually survive this storm. In the wintertime, if you unite in a cold situation, especially underneath 32 degrees Fahrenheit, and you bond together, usually you will come out more than a conqueror. If you stand as an individual when the temperature drops underneath 32 degrees, you may not survive through the night. Because unity is needed for survival. Do you want to survive? Do you want to thrive? Do you want to live beyond the pandemic or beyond issues in our lives? Because the pandemic has revealed to us other issues, other viruses that are at work in our homes. 
As we all know, unity protects us from the evil workings of several things. Unity protects us from the evil workings of several things. Number one, unity protects us from division. Division cripples any move. It will cripple uh, the kingdom of God at work in any church. The kingdom expansion, uh, uh, disunity will cripple the expanse of the kingdom. One of the reasons why I love him is because the kingdom is advancing. I love him because our community is changing. I love him because he's reforming minds. He's saving lives. Division will slow all of that down. It can never stop God's program, but it can stop a local location from fulfilling its call. Division is so detrimental. This is the actual first play of the enemy. Divide and conquer. Divide spouses and conquer. Divide parents and children and conquer. Divide church leaders and conquer. Divide ministries and uh, leaders and their pastor and conquer. Watch division. Unity protects us from the evil workings of division. Number two, it protects us from the evil workings of disunity. Endeavor to keep the unity. Make every effort to keep the unity. Why? Because disunity opens the door up for confusion. It also opens the windows and the doors of our lives to demonic influence and trafficking. Watch it, young people. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Watch that attitude when at home. Watch that attitude when you're instructed to do something. Watch the disunity. You got your feelings hurt because you didn't like the way mom spoke to you or the way dad gave you some instruction. But watch that little thing that's creeping in through the access point that you gave it when you walked in disunity. There's an evil working that follows this unity. Number three, there's an evil working. It protects us from the evil workings that follow disconnection. Nothing can done can be done if we dis disconnect. Though there's fire in the wall, if I don't, if I can't plug into the wall, I can't access the flame there and use the apparatus to do what I need to do in the room. And what the enemy has been doing is unplugging God's people from their swords. During this pandemic, people are beginning to unplug. Well, I don't need this. And I don't really need organized religion. And I don't really need to get married. I don't really need to walk the aisle. Who says I do? This is the language of the unheard and the language of of the foolish because if you knew anything about God Jesus submitted to God and to man and he said God said render unto Caesar that which is Caesar and render unto God that which is God I'm not just saying Jesus said it God on earth Jesus man God man said God said Render under Caesar. 
And if Caesar has set up laws, as long as it doesn't conflict with me, I need you to submit to it. I don't know where this is coming from, from the church. Let every soul be subject to the governing authority. And so you got a whole group that's want to sit there now. You got people, young people saying, I don't care about breaking into homes and breaking into businesses as long as people want to feed themselves. You got to understand what is the law of the land? And in the name of Black Lives Matter, we cannot violate the law to get our stuff done. You got to make sure you follow the prescribed plan. Lest all of us go down into the dungeons and nothing that we want to do is ever heard. Because you delegitimize what God is calling us to do when you disconnect from the norm. How in the world, you were just coming up, you're just coming up, you're just coming up, 25 years old, and you're talking about how hard it is when you got people that are 70 years old that been fighting, went through Pearl Harbor and all of this other stuff, and went through all of these world wars, first and second world wars, and all kind of viruses, and people from other nations that go through all kind of stuff, and they're thriving, and you're still talking about how tough it's been for you, and the disunity and the disconnect opens the door for the enemy, and we need to Close the door of disconnect so the door of unity can open up again. Well, I'll preach myself happy. Preach, Merton Clark. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Preach when they get mad. Preach when they smile. The fourth thing that happens, uh, this, is what, this is what unity protects us from. It protects us from defections. Defection. Missing in action kind of folk. Just defect. Even defecting from the faith. I was sharing with someone this weekend. One of our young people. Do not listen to all of the voices on Facebook. There are people right now. They have about 15 to 30 different people that they surf to every week. To get their word. And they're hungry for someone to affirm where you are when you need someone to give you direction from where you are to your future. And it may not always agree with what you feel. Glory to God. I remember following my GPS telling me to go here and go there. And I remember looking at a map and I say, but from the map, it looks like it's quicker to go this way. Why would GPS tell me to go that way? I had to learn how to trust GPS because what you don't see in the map are roads and bridges and hills and uh, stoplights. So you want to follow the quickest way from what you see on the map. But GPS says if you hit 95 and go up this way, even though it seemed like it's the long way around, you will actually get to your destination quicker. Because I got you on a superhighway versus on US-1. I got you on US-1 with all of those stoplights going up the eastern seaboard. So you want to get to Daytona Beach Follow the prescribed plan. Get on I-95 and go. And it's going to loop around. You're going to go an extra 10 miles, but you'll get there quicker because the speed limit has increased. And there's some people who think they know. They think they know. They think God has his people sometimes to go the long way around. Sometimes to get your degree, you can't get it in six months. You got to go the long way around. You need the discipline. You need the discipline. So when the enemy comes against you like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. And there is no defections there. You won't quit before you get your degree. 
Thank you, Lord. Hence, we, the people of God, should support each other. You and I should support each other and together. We can face any evil, any setback, any negative thing that comes our way, that comes to divide us, that comes to bring in disunity, that comes to disconnect us or cause us to defect. When we stand together as one, when we stand together, please get this, when we stand together, we will experience the liberation, the liberty, the liberation from all kinds of negativity, negativity. When we just stand together, we will experience true liberation from all kinds of negativity, mental negativity, verbal negativity. Last week I was talking about there was an affirmation in the spirit. The Lord just spoke to me and said, I want you to affirm my people. I want you to affirm them and confirm them. I'm going to talk about seductive affirmation because it's coming as well. And that is when people tell you what you want to hear so much so where you begin to lean that way, lean in their direction. And the whole purpose of them telling you what you want to hear is for them to get you into their corral, that you would defect, glory to God, so you can stand in another place. There are people who will transition just because they will affirm, just transition, just because they will affirm to a substandard type ministry or organization just to get a promotion. Thank you, Lord. If you got a good job and good benefits, don't leave it for some mediocre job just so they can give you a title. Check your benefits, son. Unity defined. Write it down. Unity is the state of being united or joined as a whole. Unity is the state of being united or joined as a whole. The state of forming a complete and pleasing whole. Notice the goal is to form a whole, not H-O-L-E, W-H-O-L-E, a pleasing whole, holistic. Actually, God made us to unify. Division is of the flesh, it's not of God. The scripture says one can chase a thousand, unify, but two, he's hinting to us that if you come together, you can do so much more. It's called synergy. When you have synergy, you can do so much more. Unity is a thing forming a complete, a complex whole. Again, God wants us to form a complex whole. Diversity, but holistic. Different, but holistic. And we don't have to wear the same clothes to be unified. We don't have to look, we don't have to be the same ethnicity. I'm going to talk about diversity later. We don't have to have the same ethnicity, but we do need to have the same mind and the same judgment. Psalm 133 and 1, how good, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell, for brothers, look at that family unit, for brothers to live, to dwell together in Unity. The scripture says it is good, it's even pleasant. 
Now, for some reason, Africans, African-Americans in America, as soon as we at 18, we want to get out of our parents' home and go and get our own apartment and struggle so we can do what we want to do and have sex anytime we want. But that's not the purpose of leaving home. I'm just letting you all know, when they want to leave, a lot of time, that's what it's about. They've been listening to that music so much. And it's just beating on them and they want to experience it. It's the spirit of Lot who pinched his tent towards Sodom. And today, whatever you listen to, you're pitching your tent towards. And as soon as parents open up the door, zoom, zoom. All I want to do is zoom, 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 zoom. In the boom, boom. As soon as you leave home, act like you never knew God, like there is no such thing as God. Where did this come from? Because you can be here, but your mind is over there. Notice how good and how pleasant it is, how wonderful and how pleasurable it is when brothers, when church members, when communities dwell or live together for an extended period of time in a unified, holistic frame of mind. I love that passage. It goes on to give benefit, but I'm not going to preach that. There's a benefit of the unity. I'm talking about how the oil runs from the head to the beard or the matured in the organization, in the community, in the family. And then to the skirt, that which is visible. If I can touch the hem, even to the hem, and then to the land. And he commands a blessing on the land. You want the commanded blessing? We must start with the unity. There is a commanded blessing that follows. Romans chapter 15 is another passage that I thought was very, very unique here. Chapter 15, verse 5 through 7. May the God who gives endurance. The God who releases the endurance and encouragement. The God who gives endurance. Anybody need a little endurance up in here? Is there anybody listening to me that needs a little bit of endurance? Well, I know you need some encouragement, but you need endurance. You need to outlive it. You need to outlive the struggle. You need to outlive the pain. Glory to God. And so the God who gives endurance and the God who gives encouragement gives you a spirit of unity so we need the endurance and we need the encouragement but we kind of downplay the unity because it requires effort on your part who jesus he's not going to unify us without a struggle we have to give up some rights we have to Give up some privileges. And if you are being privileged in America and you want unity, you have to give up your privilege so others can start standing in the gap. If I have a privilege and I see that injustice is administered when I get my privilege, I have to push away from my privilege so justice can roll from the hills like a river. <laughs> Ooh, Jesus. Who wants the justice? Who wants the justice or the just us? May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit, a mindset, a desire to unify. 
among yourselves. In other words, you need to be unified deep inside of yourself as a follower of Christ. Make sure that you're following Jesus now. Make sure that you follow Jesus because if we follow him, he gives us light and then we can have fellowship with each other. So that with one heart and one mouth, the scripture says, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I like verse 7. Accept one another. Accept one another. Don't discourage one another or push back. Accept or encourage one another. Then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Accept one another. In other words, if I ask you for forgiveness, accept it. If I ask you, please forgive me, accept it. If I have to be of a different race and I'm your brother in Christ, accept me. One of the problems with America is that the church has not demonstrated a true brotherhood and unity that transcends ethnic and language and economic barriers. And when it was time to do it, the church owned slaves. And when it was time to do it, the church said, we're not ready to march. And when it was time to do it, the church didn't rise up and say that's wrong. And when it was time to do it, the church didn't say to the White House, you're going too far. We've allowed things to happen, and that's why you see disunity in the community. The church must rise up. Where are our evangelical leaders that would stand up and say, this is not right? Oh, you want to make sure your talking points are right. We want judges. We want to make sure homosexuals don't get any rights. We want to make sure abortion is out. We want to make sure we got low taxes. We want to make sure also we got a strong military. We want to keep our borders strong. All of the talking points that Sean Hannity began to herald about eight years ago. But what I want to see is, when are we going to say, okay, we got those things, but your spirit, your morality, your mindset is off. You need to make sure that everybody in the nation is counted for. You need to make sure that the police are not abusing. We want strong police, but we want to make sure that they're not abusing of an ethnic group, which has been going on for 200 years. Y'all still here? I know somebody say, he mad. I ain't mad. I do this every week. What is the biblical, what is biblical unity? I went deep. Biblical unity. It is a spiritual viewpoint. Please write it down. It is a spiritual viewpoint. Unity is not just what you do in your mental state. It's a spiritual viewpoint that you need to adopt. Unity comes from God. Endeavor. Do everything that's within you to keep the unity not of man, unity of the spirit. This starts in the spirit realm. It is a spiritual viewpoint based on the teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what Jesus said about humanity, about humanity and spirituality. He says that humanity and spirituality are inseparable. That you possess a divine nature, if you know him, and a sinful nature. Let me make sure I get you to understand this. Even after you get saved, 
you still possess a divine nature and a sinful nature, and you must kill the sinful nature daily. That's what renewal is all about. Jesus never expected for us to be all spiritual. You have to deal with the natural self. That's why it's important for you to get the word of God. And here's a sower of seed. He sowed the seed. Some seed fell by the wayside. Some seed fell among thorns. Some seed fell in stony places. Some seed fell on good ground. And the ground, the soil, the stony, the rocky places and the wayside is all tied to conditions, the condition of the people who are, re who are receiving the seed. So get this in your spirit. Those that are in stony places, stony places, hard hearts, you got to deal with that nature that's in you. Hard hearts, seed fell among thorns, that is people trying to receive the word and they still tied up in sin. <laughs> the curse is still activated in your life. And it's frustrated. Every time you try to grab the word, that thorn sticks you. Instead of letting the thorn stick you and it leads you to repentance, you back away from the process. Well, I'm tired of the conviction. I'll just go home. I don't like the preacher. He's always telling me what's wrong with me. Well, I'm the best thing. I'm the best thing floating if I'm telling you what's wrong and I balance out with affirmation. So you want to make sure you get last week's teaching. Today, I'm talking about unity. You can't get encouraged no matter what's going on. Every week, you got to learn how to do mathematics and some science. You got to do some engineering. Not just humanities and cooking. You have a sinful and a divine nature. And through prayerful realization of who Jesus is God can take by his spirit glory to God he can begin because of who Jesus is our hope of glory our redemption our salvation our eternal life Holy Spirit can start working on those areas of your life where that sinful nature thrives like in your soul he can save your soul your mind and even your body and eventually you begin to practice Christianity in full bloom now, you got to understand unity. You got to get unity on the inside before you can make and do unity on the outside. You got to learn how to deal with your own nature. And once you put that under your feet, you can start helping people to come together. I know it sounds complicated, but it's really not. In other words, take care of you, then you can take care of others. Take care of you, and then you can take care of others. You can write that in the slot. Take care of yourself and you can take care of others. Do unto others, golden rule, as you would have them to do unto you. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. You can't, I can't expect you to love my child and you don't love yourself. You'll pinch him if you pinch yourself. If you slap yourself, I know you will slap my child. 
Why would I give you my, and you stand over there slapping you and say, ah, I'm fat. Ah, don't take no pictures of me. Ah, I'm not, I'm not all that. Ah, why would I release my kid to you? Because you're going to look at them. You ain't all of that. Don't, you better lose some weight. You better get yourself together. If you do it to yourself, you would do it to mind. I don't care what you talk about. I'm watching what you do. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Write it down. Unity is oneness. Harmony. Agreement. Oneness. Oneness in you. Unite within yourself. Don't conflict within yourself. Conflicting. I don't know if faith is really true. I don't know if this is really it. God really real. You need to know that. You need to be able to say God is real. And you need to be convinced of that. Right now, this is so dangerous for young people. I'm about to do a theology class called Theology 101 and just teach the basic penance, tenets of faith and teach on basic theology um, because I want our kids, and this is for young teenagers, I want them to have a good base when they leave here. They're not just caught up with whatever is being heralded out there in the scriptures, out there in the world. Uh, just biting it and running with it as if it's truth and don't know any Bible. I heard a young pastor, man, he got up on social media the other day and he says, I think he's out of Maryland somewhere. God is about to turn your whole life around. You are blessed and highly favored. You, in about 30 days, in, you know, in about three days, things you will never have any trials again. About 13,000 people click like. I got real sad because the Bible says in this life you will suffer persecution. You want to listen to what someone is telling you that agrees with what you feel? Do you want somebody to tell you what scripture says? I told our church at the top of the year, I see some dark days. I see something coming from the sea. I see something happening here. We're going to be tested. I know everybody talking about perfect vision, but you better have some vision. You better have your eye on the Lord. It's going to get a little dark here. I don't know. I, I can't really tell you everything I see, but I see something coming out of the sea. Is it one of the seals? Is it something that John saw? Is it something that John the Revelator saw coming out of the sea? Everybody's talking about peace and safety as if the stock market is an indicator of whether God is pleased with America. God is pleased with America when we obey him. God is pleased with America when we unite around his purpose. God is pleased with America, not based on how much money we have in the bank. We got more money than any nation ever existed on the face of the earth. But that's not what God won. You got to understand something about God. He owns all of the money. He's not impressed with money God is impressed when we surrender our will in exchange for his and learn how to work with each other in the earth oneness harmony and agreement unity was apparent on the day of Pentecost that's Acts chapter 2 and they were all in one place and on one accord in obedience to the instructions of Jesus, go, go to Jerusalem and tarry there until you endure with power from on high. Just go. And they went to the upper room and they stayed there, about 120 of them. 
When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one place and on one accord. Glory to God. The church is, united, is, is unity and diversity. Unity and diversity. Glory to God. And there's always been a mixture of African Americans in uh, predominantly Caucasian churches since the beginning of the church in America. But in reverse, you don't see it. Especially if the leadership is African. So what we need to do is start looking at that. And it needs to be preached from the pulpits. In other words... Caucasian pastors need to start speaking to injustice. You need to start speaking to injustice. Oh, Bishop, how can we help? You need, when you see injustice, you need to speak to it. You're going to lose some members, but you'll gain so much more. Need to do exactly like I'm doing in your style and call it out. If you got 70% of Africans in your church, you're a Caucasian pastor, why aren't 70, why don't you have that representation in your leadership? Why are they just the ushers? Now they're satisfied. If they usher, they'll stand there. A doctor will usher for you. If you're a white pastor, he'll sit there and usher. But you need to be able to say, I'm going to bring you into the upper echelon of our church, especially if, you're, if you are qualified for the positions and you have the right heart. It has to start from the top down. The church needs to show the world that we're unified. Don't just have powerful worship leaders. Okay, Bill, you get them right. Okay, ho, ho. And you stand in the pulpit and lead them all in the worship. And you lead them there. And when it's all over, you go outside somewhere. Or when the ones working in the kitchen are all African American. You need to show some diversity in how you function in your church and watch God bless it. And not just say, look at us. You know, we got the black family, the black family. We got many families up in here. Yes, we've always, Africans have always done that. They will listen to you more than they listen to me. But what you need to do is make sure they're in the leadership. I'm not mad. I'm just letting you know. I've had Caucasian pastors with me. I'm sitting there hugging kids. Parents, I do it every week. But when the Caucasian pastor hugs the kid, I notice the way the parent moves. Whoa. Next week, lifting up the kid to the Caucasian pastor as if his touch is greater than ours. And when they leave, you leave too. So what I'm trying to say to you all, if you got Caucasian and Africans and ethnic groups in your church, then have that same spread. Let it look like America. Instead of everybody that's your color in leadership. Look at Ruth chapter 1 and verse 16. But Ruth replied. Look at the unity in the girl. Don't urge me, entreat me not to leave thee. Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Don't do that. Some of us got that pushback spirit. In, in other words, when people get close to us, get away from me. I don't need that. I don't need you up on me. And you don't know you're fighting the unity of the spirit. You got to learn how to let people in your space. And I'm amazed with how many men are like that. 
I know we are tough, but if you're going to raise a family, you got to be able to get over hurts. You can't say, well, I went to church years ago and got hurt, so I'm not going back no more. And you expect your son to be tough and, and be a soldier? We give more credence to our armies and our Marines and our Air Force. But in the army of God, we back away from this. You could be in the Iraq war. And next thing you know, you're in Afghanistan. You don't sit there and cry about what happened in Iraq. You may have gotten wounded in Iraq. You get back up, get healed, and get back in the fight. But when it comes to faith, I don't believe in that. I don't, oh, no, I'm never going to do that. And you don't see how the enemy is working through the disunity. It's what Ruth said to her mother-in-law after she lost her husband, after things went south. Entreat me not to leave you. The mother-in-law said, go home. I don't have any more milk. I don't have any more nourishment. I'm bitter. She said, don't do that. And I wonder, is there anybody under the sound of my voice that got to please don't cause me or tell me to leave you kind of spirit? Or do you have a spirit that says, you don't want me. I don't want you. See, I never want, I can put this out there. Never get with people who don't want you. Oh yeah, they'll click like on that. But you're not reading Ruth chapter one. Don't urge me. Hey, be careful about your friends. See, you got to find yourself, find your voice. If they ain't with you, let them go. I'm coming right out of the Bible. The time will come where they won't endure. They'll see it in the scripture, but that ain't me. They'll see it right there in the scripture, but that ain't me. Instead of being renewed in your mind, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Ruth saw something in her mother-in-law. said, ah, it's greater than Moab. It's greater than what I came out of. You want me to go back to that? I see something in you. Even though you're bitter, I see something in you. Even though you're hurt, that's greater than my past. Don't urge me to leave you, to turn back from you. Look at her, where you go, verse 16, I will go. Where you lodge, where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Look at this. We don't read this one. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. Don't let my bones go back home. I'm with you now. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely. If anything but death, Separate you and me. This is a young girl, man, and she was hurt. Lost her husband, left her home, took on a new family, and then everything goes south. But she says, don't urge me. Don't do that. Oh, just forget me. Take my name out. I'm done. That's, that's, the, kind of, that's the kind of viruses that are surfacing Today, and it's called disunity. I'm preaching the unity of the spirit, and I'm showing you 
that we got to watch this one. You've got to watch it. I'm going to affirm you as God told me, but you got to watch this unity. There is sometimes the kiss and say goodbye, but not as often as we use it. Thank you, Jesus. How long did Jacob stay with Laban before he said, let's just kiss and say goodbye? Like 14? Your little four months, your little four days, y'all, you don't have a clue. Jacob needed 14 years to process himself. And we want to quit after four days. I can preach it. Moses, 40 years in the wilderness before he stepped into his call. Good God from Zion. Jesus, 30 years without a miracle, just submitted to his parents for three and a half years of purpose. Whew. Daniel made a eunuch. Brought into Babylon, but had an excellent spirit. But made a eunuch. Could never have family or children. To be called the excellent one. And we don't want to lose nothing. There is a pain of disunity. Not just the pain of unity. One of the greatest hindrances of the church, and I'll close with this. He's making an impact on community around her is the lack of unity, a lack of Christian love, passion, focused together in the same direction. I'm going to pick back up with this at 11 o'clock, the pain of this unity. It will cripple the move of God. And that's why God is calling us to oneness. Diversity, but oneness. We are diverse, but he wants us to be one. And I want to just encourage the people of God to stand as one. Don't allow the enemy to hurt you, to sever the ties. I know some of the things that I preach or... Are, um, are hard to swallow at times. But if you check it out, you, don't, you may not understand it, check it out. Do some research. You begin to see the wisdom of God. I tie the word of God to a present situation. I learned years ago, Bishop McLaughlin said this years ago, that you need a Bible and a newspaper. And I practice that to, to keep my eye on the word, but also I'm looking at what's happening in our world. And I'm able to say because of that, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Peter, unlearned, never preached before, but he knew scripture. And when he saw the spirit of God fall on Pentecost, he saw a present event tied to a previous prophetic word. And he said, this is that which was spoken. And you need to be able to look at our world and see the ills and the problems, but also the triumphs and say, this is what scripture talked about. I'm telling you that the church has failed globally 
especially in America, with unity. And God wants us to change that. God wants us to change that. He wants us to demonstrate it. There are major issues right now, major issues with that. And I can go on and on and talk about the problems and what causes us to be ununified or to experience disunity. But God wants us to bring it together. I'm coming against the spirit of division. I'm coming against disconnection. I'm coming against um, desertion. I'm coming against it. Help me when, when desertion and disconnect rises up in you. Disunity rises up in you. I want you to say something to yourself. Say, self, don't be selfish. Make every effort to maintain, to keep and maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond, through the bond of peace. I want you on my team. I want you to connect. I want you to connect with me. God called us here. We didn't know anyone. And he's given us a team, a group of people that connect with us. And I'd like to see that team grow. For us to be effective during the pandemic after it's over, we need to be connected. And the enemy is trying to get us to unplug, to disconnect now. Amen. And I want you to really think about your connection. Check your feet. Where are you? Check to see where you're plugged in. Are you plugged in? Does God want you to plug in? Because God wants you to connect with this voice. I think I told you that if you're going to uh, demonstrate unity in the community, you need to make sure that there's unity within you. This is the teaching of Jesus. You have a sinful nature and a divine nature. You have to kill that sinful nature daily. And once that nature is under your feet, you can have peace on the inside of yourself. Then you can begin to reach out and do and get peace with others. Scripture says, follow peace with all men. But watch this, holiness without, which no man shall see the Lord. In other words, holiness is a mindset. It's a practice with the person who's demonstrating or trying to follow peace. The more you reach out to God, the more he'll reach out to you. Maybe you're unsaved and you haven't come to know who Jesus is. We've changed our format. We're going to be back to our regular format next Sunday morning at 8 o'clock. One of the things the Lord is telling me is to go for souls. We need to be thinking about souls in the name of the Lord. Souls. And maybe you've never prayed the simple prayer of salvation. Maybe you've never said, God, you know, I'm out there. I'm yours. Maybe that, that just never happened. And it didn't happen for you yet. It's just a simple prayer. Jesus is so awesome that he's prepared a way for your eternal existence without you doing much. This is the work you have to do, is to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. That's how simple it is, and you will be saved. So I'm going to do a little quick prayer, and if you're unsaved and you would like to know who Jesus is, just say, say it with me. Little children need to say this. Years ago, uh, my father-in-law passed away. He passed away on a Wednesday night. And Megan was with uh, grandmother. And uh, we were here at the church. And grandmother was really frantic when she heard he was unresponsive up in Titusville. And she, um, she wanted to go home. And Megan said, Grandmama, she was just a little girl. 
She said, go and get with mama. Go to the church. She was seven. I believe God put something in the little girl at seven. She said, no, go to, go, go to, go to the church. We got to go to the church. And, and, of course, mother came to the church and then the wife and her mother drove to Titusville. Megan and I stayed, uh, made sure she had a caregiver, and after service was over, I took off. When I got there, of course, father was deceased and uh, everybody was crying. We were able to maneuver and get home. I came back home that night. And the next morning, Megan came in and she said, uh, um, what happened? I said, come here. Well, Grandpa went on to be with the Lord. And uh, he won't be with us any longer. And Megan cried for about a minute and a half. I mean, like, boo-hoo. <laughs> I mean, she, really, she let it out. And when she dried her eyes, she said, well, he's with Jesus now, right? I said, yeah, he is. She got out of the bed. Skip, doop, 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 doop. I said, what in the world's going You don't have to be old to know who Jesus is. You could be a little child. That gave her the strength. She said, if he's with Jesus, he's saved. I'm not saying she didn't cry again. But I looked in her eyes. She said it. He's with Jesus now, right, Daddy? I said, yes, he is. And she got out of the bed and started skipping. And if you want that kind of peace in your soul, you got to know who he is. Pray with me. Father, thank you for Jesus. I confess the Lord Jesus. I also repent of my sins and I ask you to forgive me and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I believe that he died. He was buried in the earth. And he rose from the dead on the third day. I believe in the resurrection. Jesus, come into my heart. And I will live with you forever. Spirit of the living God, fill me up. Enter my heart my soul empower me to serve you in the earth and I will for the rest of my life in Jesus name Amen It has been a real joy to share the word of God with you a special thank you to those who care for this ministry no amount of financial support is too small it is because of you this ministry is possible to support us Go to our website at truthrevealed.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share with friends. Be sure to tag us when you share at Trim Nation One. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, I'll see you at the Word of Truth Revealed.